far easier to you know um, captivate an audience with a highly venomous snake or what they perceive to be as a dangerous snake than a slug. Hi, I'm Holly, and welcome to my podcast, Through the Trees, where I talk to my guests about a whole range of nature-based subjects. Today I'm talking to Chris Gilbert, wildlife conservation enthusiast and animal management teacher, about how snakes are often misrepresented and why they are an important species throughout the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'm glad we've got a cup of tea with you. Sorry, coffee, not tea. Coffee for me, yeah. <laughs> caffeine, caffeine addict on this side of things. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, I love a cup of tea. Before we begin, I need to ask you, what is your favourite tree species and why? So, okay. When you sort of, uh, you mentioned you mentioned this to me, I was like, right, I've got to have a good think about this. Um, and I'm, I've actually come back really kind of uh, middle of the road. Um, oak tree. Um, quintessentially British, I feel the old oak tree. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a tall tree, as as trees do tend to be. Um, but it's a very dense, long lived, very strong tree. Um, it's actually the tree that um, we put uh, Grandad John's ashes under. So we sort yeah. of put his ashes in the ground and then put an oak tree on top of that. So it's got a got a nice sort of spiritual and sentimental meaning to me, the old oak tree. So yeah, middle of the road. But, you know, it's a, nice. it's a good Nice. Well, yeah, I think you couldn't have chosen better, really. But I'm not I'm not biased. Um, I just want to say to everybody, Chris and I are related. Um, we are cousins once, twice, however many times removed. Um, yeah, so genuinely, we... actually, yeah, I genuinely don't. I know we are related, but I don't know how we are related. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, Dad's mum, Daphne, and Tommy are sisters. Right. So so no idea no idea at all no no idea at all we just know that we've been seeing each other at christmas since our childhood (laughs) yeah yeah there's a link there somewhere exactly so this talk today is mainly about snakes and your passion of snake conservation so before we get into it a lot of people might not know the difference between venomous and poisonous so can you just enlighten us a little bit there of course um so it's it's not it's a pet peeve when people say to me oh is this snake poisonous and then I'm really sarky and I'm like oh no you can eat it um, which probably isn't the best way to go around things <laughs> um, so basically they're both um, both examples of biological toxins um, but they're used in very very different ways so if something the sort of the the mantra to go by is um, if you bite something and you die it was poisonous um, if something bites you and you die it's venomous. Um, obviously, there are huge ranges in uh, in the level of toxicity and things like that. Um, but the the basic guy, the sort of um, the hypothetical example, um, which I'm not recommending, is you could technically drink a pint of venom, and you'd be absolutely fine as long as you had no little cuts in your mouth or little ulcers or any ways okay. for the venom to get into your bloodstream. Um, so yeah. Poisonous, you you get poisonous berries, you don't get venomous berries. Okay, that's, yeah, I think that helps, that makes it clearer. (laughs) Um, And so you've started Snake Sunday on Instagram, you've got your Viva La Venom Instagram page, what kind of inspired you to start that? Um, So, I mean, I've been, I've been a snake nerd for absolutely years and years and years. Um, So I kind of started, um, I sort of wanted to get involved and do, do something. With sort of snake communication, um, so I started off doing um, just sort of a, a weekly snake post on um, on my Instagram, thinking I didn't want to be like 
we've all we've all got those friends who have um, started a business selling nutrition products or you know something like that on their on their social media, yeah. and all of a sudden their social media just becomes about that. So I didn't want my newsfeed or my my Instagram to become just just snake stuff every day, um, so I thought I'd do it once a week. However, I kind of arrived at the problem. Um, that I also don't really post that regularly on my own Instagram. So it actually then became very apparent to me the last five posts I'd done were Snake Sunday posts and my feed was becoming entirely Snake Sunday stuff. Um, So I sort of thought to myself, well, I'd start an actual page on Instagram about it. Um, Then I could post as much as I want um, and, you know, people could people could sort of, you know, enjoy or learn things like that. But also with the with the idea of it being Snake Sunday is it kind of gave me a bit of a direction um, for my own learning um, in that I could I'll pick a snake a week and I'll very often just go to a book, flick through a page and just go that one. And Mm. that's something I've not heard about before so i'll then you know dive into it. and it gives it gives me a bit of a direction um it broadens my knowledge i've learned some really really cool things um and obviously then the more i know the better it enables me to then share my passion and share you know snake message and conservation and that um to everybody else as well so that was sort of the the general idea behind it it's kind of an accident actually starting vivala venom well no i really enjoyed it and your enthusiasm behind those videos that you post once a week i just absolutely love it i've learned so much i can't regurgitate any of it now but (laughs) i really really enjoy it no thank you i'm glad (laughs) so why did you choose snakes out of all the animals you could have chosen or reptiles you could have chosen and why so snakes um there's a lot of reasons so I've, I've they're the reptile they're the animal that i i like the most um i think you might remember arrived, i think it must have been about five or six when i came to your to come to your farm we went for a ride on your horses and i had a massive allergic reaction to the horse um <laughs> i was swelling up and and i found out i'm actually or at the time um, was really really allergic just to animal hair in general i didn't didn't do well around animals which is not good because i loved animals yeah. um so i kind of got pushed towards um pushed towards the sort of the reptile world um issue with that is that i was terrified of snakes like i used to have nightmares about snakes it was crazy like indiana jones where he goes down into that snake pit 100 percent. that was oh that would have been the worst thing ever um but yeah but then Went to a zoo. Uh, I went to a zoo in January because it was my birthday, and there was a there was a keeper there. He's like, oh, you know, you can sit at the back of the room. We were the only ones in the in the snake den. It was a freezing cold day. Me and my mum, and then he he talked me around, and I touched the snake, and I was like, oh god, this is this is really really cool. Oh, it's not, and it just light bulb moment. So I was like, you know what? There are other people like that um, who are so scared of these animals, and they're they're awesome. Um, so it was that kind of is what one. Um, the snakes over lizards um crocodiles were hard to get hold of so i was i, was, I wasn't gonna be able to do anything with the crocodiles no. um and yeah so it just it just kind of went from there they're very much very much the underdog um and i mean from a purely um sort of personal ego point of view you tell people that you work with snakes and they immediately think you're just so hardcore it's like, oh my god you're so brave and you're like yeah it's they're actually really fine but if you want to think that <laughs> yeah let, uh, you'll let them think that i'll let them roll with it because they're not exactly the best represented animal on in the world and they are always represented say for example jungle book we're going back however many years now to the initial disney films but 
I think it's really important that you are trying to change how they are represented a bit like Steve Bachel is changing how sharks are represented because obviously Jaws didn't help them. Um, so why, what else do you think the media can do to help change people's perspectives? Okay, so I mean the media is is an incredible, incredible tool. We, we were sort of talking a while ago about saying like the the difference Chris Packham's had with, you know, the following with regards to, um, you know, people signing up against HS2. Um, mm. And you've only got to kind of look at the the difference in our perspective. It was more or less overnight with, with Blue Planet 2. Um, you know, these, we went from, oh, yeah, plastic straws, yeah, whatever, to, oh, my God, this this is no longer a common practice. Like, we don't, they're just not a thing anymore. We don't, we don't use, um, we don't use plastic straws in any way like what we used to. So, in terms of in terms of the media um, and how we see how we see these animals, um, the, the media's got a really important role because I appreciate in mainstream media it's you know dangerous cells, um, and that that obviously when you've yeah. got an animal that's already got a bad reputation, um, it doesn't help. They they sort of they run with a scary headline. Um, so anything that sheds these animals, like what um, Steve Backshaw, it's it's important to start actually representing these animals um, accurately. So to protect any animal, you need people to stop hating it, stop fearing it, and stop wanting to kill it. Um, there's there's a lot of bad press with snakes. You know, the only good snake is a dead snake, and you know all the snakes are out to get you and, and all that sort of thing. Um, now on on kind of the the flip side. Um, of, of their bad reputation, it's a little bit of an advantage because if you're wanting to sort of talk and demonstrate an animal that's perceived to be this evil monster that's going to get you and it's going to try and kill you, people have a morbid fascination with that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why Steve Backshaw and Steve Irwin took off. Mm-hmm. Let's watch this crazy bloke try and, you know, try and get himself killed with this animal that we know is really dangerous. They want to watch it and that kind of gives you a bit of a platform. So... That's a that's a positive side. It's far easier to you know um, captivate an audience with a highly venomous snake or what they perceive to be as a dangerous snake than a slug. Yeah. <laughs> like You're not going to get people as involved. So in a way, it's a it's a tool that we can work with. Um, but yeah, you you need to you need to try and encourage people to have interactions with these animals and see them for what they really are. Um, rather than the the monster under the bed that they're perceived to be. Exactly, and I think the um uh, the most recent Attenborough uh, series, A Perfect Planet, has done that quite well with the red slider garter snakes in Canada and showing that the female releases the pheromones and then the males become quite docile, which has obviously allowed that videographer to get so close. And I saw some behind the scenes photos on the silverback films, I think they're called. And you've got this shot, this photographer just really just lying down amongst all these all these snakes. And it's yeah, really fascinating. And I, I'm glad that they are approaching those subjects as well. Yeah, it's mate, it's absolutely fantastic. I love I love a good documentary. I mean, this is the thing. There's so there's there's a just on that, I kinda of want I'm glad you brought that up. So um there's a really cool bit they didn't quite touch upon, which is totally fine because there's so much you could yeah. talk about with these animals. Um there are right, males come out first, warm themselves yeah. up, females come out afterwards, males jump all over the female and she gets warmed up secondarily from them. Yep. There are males um that come out late. 
and they secrete the same sort of pheromone that the female secretes. So all the males swarm over this other male who's had a bit of a lion, warm him up, expend loads of their energy. So he's now fully charged and raring to go. So he can compete against all these all these other other males as well, which is awesome. So he sort of like puts a little bit of puts a bit of makeup on, um, makes all the guys think he's a girl, um, <laughs> and yeah, and uses uses them to uses them to get get warm as well. But yeah, it's it's awesome stuff like that. Um, the Galapagos Island one, as mm. as a snake guy. I was. I really had to. It was hard because I was watching. It, I was like, guys, I'm. I'm always rooting for you, but my God, you look evil. Just uh, <laughs> chasing down the little Galapagos land iguana. <clears throat> I was fully rooting for the iguana. Um, yeah, it was. It was fantastic piece of cinematography. I've no doubt that every bit of it's accurate. You know, I have full trust in Sir David um, and and his team. And but God, mm. my God, it was just like, oh God, they're coming from everywhere. It was. A, it was Indiana Jones moment again. <laughs> So um, why do we need snakes? Why are they important to different ecosystems? And why can we not just, oh, you know, snakes are not important. Um, they scare too many people. Uh, what do they actually do? Okay, so I'll start global and then I'll, then I'll go local with, with the importance of our, of our personal snakes. So first point I always, I always like to make is they are as quintessential as paramount to any ecosystem as any of the you know cute and fluffy stuff um, and as important as any of the really awesome predators you know your sharks your tigers um, you know your killer whales your, your, all that stuff They're, they are part of an ecosystem so they are as important as any other part of that sort of ecosystem as well um, they are predators to a lot of small animals but they're also prey to a lot of raptors um, and other species as well. We've you know we've all seen like honey badgers and, and mongoose. These these are animals that need snakes. They need them. They need them to survive. So they, they play an integral role in um, in any ecosystem. Mm. Um, I always say you know they've got as much right to life as uh, as any other animal. Anything that's Absolutely. you know anything that's on the planet. Everything's got as much right to be here. Specifically in terms of what they do for us, we are becoming ever more aware. As humans, we are running out of space. Mm-hmm. Space to live, space to build houses, uh, space to grow food, etc., etc. And, and the availability of food, particularly in, in sort of more third world countries, is, is becoming a problem. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue we're facing. And one of the big losses to, uh, to food stores and things like that, particularly things like grain, um, is loss to vermin like rats and mice. Snakes are your cleanup team. You tell you what, you get yourself, you get yourself a couple of carpet pythons in Australia. You get yourself, you know, uh, a couple of Russell's vipers or cobras in in in, uh, in India. You, you're not going to have rats for very long. You know, they'll they'll take <laughs> them out. Um, so they are a major part in pest control. And obviously, rats, mice, um, they love to be where we are, but they spread disease as well. So they are, you know, they are the who you're going to call the pest control guys. Mm, However, brilliant. okay, so that's all well and good. Oh, you know, they'll kill some rats, things like that. So there's some really, really cool stuff. Um, they're venomous snakes in particular. Okay. They have a chocolate box in their in their heads of, you know, incredible proteins, enzymes, toxins, you know, all sorts of awesome stuff that we're yet to fully understand, fully explore. So just as one, one snake species, just to pick out... Um, South and Central America, a species called Bothrops asper, 
Um, Cecchio Pelo is what it's known as sort of locally. Um, so they're, they're a species that's venom has been looked at. Um, so they've found two that's genuinely just mind-blowing things. Um, their venom contains a protein, I have to look at what it's called, um, contains a protein that counteracts amyloid beta in humans. Amyloid beta is one of the recognised proteins that causes Alzheimer's. Okay. So we can use snake venom to to treat Alzheimer's. Like that's that's incredible. <laughs> that's so cool. There's a second protein in that venom that and this is this is brilliant, this has come out recently. Yeah. Um that blocks the binding protein or one of the binding proteins for COVID nineteen. Oh wow. And snake venom is the is the potential cure to a pandemic. Gosh, how on earth did they find that out? Well, this is it. And if they if we didn't have snakes, we wouldn't have them here to find out. So yeah, so local scale, yeah, we you know take out the rats and mice. But I mean, the the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, just to look briefly, kind of you know, on a more sort of um, localized point of view, um, in terms of sort of you know our um, our own sort of species in the UK, mm. we've only got three species. Technically four when you sort of look in the in the genomics of uh, of the grass snakes, but we're going to go three species at the moment. Only one of those okay. is venomous, and that's that's the adder, um, Vipera barus. Um, it's the furthest range or furthest northerly ranging snake in the world. Not significantly dangerous to humans. Um, you know, I think ten people have died in the last hundred years. That's a okay. out of the air um, statistic. So by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, we've only got our three species, and as I said before. They are as integral as foxes, owls, anything like that. And the the real reason that we need to conserve the adders in particular, obviously all, all species, but the adders in particular, is they are actually in real, real trouble. We've seen the best part of a 40% decline um, in, in the UK adder population since the 80s. Um, wow. Having been born in the 90s, that's worryingly not that far away, otherwise I feel really old. Um so they are in serious decline. There was a great um, conference held um, in Bangor by um, the Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Group, ARG, um, in 2019. Um, and they're seeing that they're, they are one of several species that are suffering um, because of improper land management. Um, so a lot okay. of land is being managed for you know, game shooting, pheasants, grouse, etc., etc. Um, and because of these practices, um, the... the Population's dropping off, um, mm. and it's it's very possible um, that our only venomous snake, you know, in in the country, um, is is going to be gone in you know inside of fifteen to twenty years. It's mm. very very possible, um, and it's it just seems it just seems you know there's so much focus in the media and you know, in documentaries things like that on all these fantastic and wonderful and you know incredible creatures that we have around the world and absolutely right there should be but we've got a fantastic and amazing species right on our doorstep that's just disappearing and you know yeah. we've got to be we've got to be really vigilant on on this we can't afford you know to lose our only venomous snake um, mm. you know they're a hardy hardy little snake these guys can eat like once or twice a year wow. it's mad um so and they've got you know their behavioural ecology is fantastic you know males fight you've got two two pieces of rope no arms and no legs and they'll and they'll wrestle with each other over females I think that's that's an incredible thing to watch it's something I've not personally ever seen and would love yeah. to see 
Um, so yeah, I think globally, there's a lot that they can give us, but I think locally, especially in the UK, you know, we've got to, we've got, we owe the animals in this country something, we, you know, we've got to rewild our wild areas and, and give back a little bit. I think we owe it. We owe it to them. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see an Attenborough documentary based on UK wildlife. I don't know if they've done one. I don't believe that they have, um, but I would absolutely love to see that. Okay, so what future plans have you got? You've got projects coming up. You've got your Venom Room. What's next for twenty twenty one for you? So okay, um, Venom Room. Obviously, hopefully, um, assuming that we can get you know sort of once once lockdown's over. Um, I've got a little list actually that I've made. Hopefully future this year, um, I want to get the Venom Room done. Um, so one of the things that's, you know, I've wanted to do, I've always wanted to work with venomous snakes with um, the profession sort of that, you know, I'd, I'd sort of dreamed of. I was, I was going to be in the Amazon, Holly. You know, I wasn't, wasn't going to even ever be in the UK. I was going to be out there, but, <laughs> but it's, it's not worked out that way. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm so happy doing what I do. I love teaching. Um, and it also means that I get to continue this as a hobby. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I, it's the animals that I've always wanted to work with. Um, I admire the animals massively. Um, and I think now I've sort of, I don't want to say I'm established in, in, uh, in, on the Instagram uh, page. I mean, I've only, I think I've sort of mm. not even hit 2,000 followers yet. But um, going forward, it, I'd like to develop that um, as a platform for, you know, these, these animals um mm. i'm not ever sort of planning to be the guy who's you know free handling his rattlesnake or anything like that um mm. people want to do that that's absolutely you know that's on them that's how they want to roll no problem um i personally don't want to go down that way um yeah. just because i just wouldn't take the risk sounds very sensible <laughs> um it's like I say, it's a personal choice. I know I've know of a few people that that do free handle, and that's that's totally their prerogative. That's you know within their rights to do it. Their animals, um, as long as the animal is being well looked after, I have nothing to say. Um, mm. Like I say, the way I want to go around it is you know focus on focus on the animals, um, sort of you know you like I say use that as a platform um, to sort of give some more education, more uh, yeah. you know conservation message. I'd like to then hopefully take that um, out of my out of my venom room. Um, if we could, this is all obviously. Sort of, I've got to look into the laws, but get to a point where I can, you know, give talks, demonstrate these animals to people would be amazing. Um, and yeah, just sort of take take it to the people. Mm, yeah, and schools and get to children who are like primary school age and show them. And educate them because that's something that their teacher might not be uh, knowledgeable in the area. And I always think that if a child has like a direct contact, like you did at that zoo, if you've touched nature directly, no matter what it is, whether it's a tree or a snake, you're going to develop a respect and appreciation and hopefully take that with you as an adult. And that's what we need. That's what this planet needs. It's absolutely. There's, there's a great sound um, Steve Irwin came up with. Um, that's when you touch an animal that animal touches your heart and it's and it's absolutely true if you have contact with like you say with any part of nature um it makes you you know you are touched you have that connection um mm. and it's something that we've i think we've got to try particularly hard with um without trying to sound like such an old person but you know <laughs> all these people just sitting behind their computer screens we do need to get people outside you know yep. it's it's so important it really really is 
Absolutely. Well, your Venom Room sounds really good, and I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you very much, mate. Is there a book that you would recommend someone to read? Nothing's too scientific. What sort of thing would you would say? Yeah, if you want to develop your interest, pick it up and have a read. Definitely. So, um, in terms of right, bit of an odd on that one. So, as many field guides as you can get your hands on. So, um. Field guides are great because the whole idea is it helps you learn to identify the snake and secondarily you then learn where you're going to find them, it's behavioural ecology. At the same time what I will say is read as many as you can because pretty much as soon as a book is published it's out of date. Um, while you're putting a book together you can get the most up-to-date information, the most up-to-date classification of the animals but a week later something else could be published and it's, it's yeah. you know. So I would say read as many as you can. The ones that I've got the most out of because I've been trying to learn about the European species, um, Snakes of Europe um, and Northern Africa, and that's by, forgive forgive me, sir, for the pronunciation of your name, I'm going to say Philippe um, Guinez. Um, read that loads and loads of times with loads and loads of different species. Um, so yeah, just lots and lots of field guides. Um, but take take everything with, with a pinch of salt. We've had... I've had discussions, we'll say, with, with people where um, they've decided a snake is one thing, I disagree, mm. and it's a case of, right, which is the most recent book? And then you've got to go yeah. to Google Scholar and see what's been published. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, just read as many field guides as you can, as many okay, as you can. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and how can people find you on social media? Social media, so it's viva underscore la with just la underscore venom or just yeah viva la venom is is the best way to best way to get hold of me on there brilliant okay cool well i think that's everything for this chat today chris amazing it's been great mate really really enjoyed it yeah i really enjoyed talking and i will continue to keep an eye out on your on your instagram and enjoy your snake sundays thank you very much i'll like to say i'll keep up with what you guys are doing with your with your van have you got much planned sort of obviously van wise after lockdown or what's your yeah well we're hoping to go traveling um for anyone who doesn't know my partner and i have got a camper van and we've just converted it well from a van to a camper van and we were meant to leave and go on a long road trip around europe but now obviously with lockdowns we're here so we are in suffolk i am creating a podcast and we are hoping to leave april time after my brother's wedding Awesome, awesome, mate. Well, best of luck with that. Was hopefully I'll see you at the wedding. Hopefully we'll all still be allowed to come down. Yes, I hope so. Definitely, definitely. Have to see if you can find me some good European herping spots. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cheers, mate. I'll see you later on. Take care. Thank you. At the end of every episode, I share a quote which I feel sums up everything we've been talking about, and the quote today is from Albert Einstein: "Our task must be to free ourselves by widening our circle of compassion." to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty.